chose to come to the nine o'clock service. It's powerful already, and we believe this morning you're going to be blessed. As I said, we're uh, beginning a new uh, journey through the book of Daniel, and really going to hone in on the first six chapters and look at the life of Daniel. Go figure, we're starting a series on Daniel, uh, but Daniel is a name that obviously Bree and I love, and uh, Bree will have to share the story with you of just how God led us to even choosing the name Daniel for our baby boy. Uh, but the name Daniel means God is my judge. And if you know anything, Daniel is a, many of the stories we've learned in uh, children's church. We've learned is, uh, is kids growing up in church that there's so much strength and so much uh, foundation of our faith that we learn through the book of Daniel. But not only that, if you love Bible prophecy, Daniel is a place to go to really understand what's happening in the world, what's happening prophetically. Uh, there's Daniel opens up so many mysteries in the word of God. So if you're looking for a good Bible study, if you're looking for a good place just to really dig into, take some time for the rest of this month in September and really begin to dig through the Word of God in the book of Daniel. So this morning, as you see, you can follow along uh, on the app. There is notes in place for you this morning uh, on our church app. But this morning, we're going to talk about honoring God in a world that doesn't. How many of you know it's important that we honor God? And who wants to honor God in your everyday life? Well, the amazing thing about Daniel, even it being Old Testament, it is, it is a wonderful blueprint of how we can honor God in our everyday life, how we can honor God when we have authorities over us that necessarily don't honor God. Daniel is full of so much insight that if we can take the blueprint that is laid out before us, I believe you're gonna be successful in your relationships, you're gonna be successful in your walk with God, that if we can let, in essence, Daniel pastor us for these next few weeks, I believe you're gonna be blessed, insight, Uh, prophetically is going to be poured into your life. You're going to get revelation and you're going to see that God truly is a God of miracles. Daniel knew this firsthand and it was because of his obedient faith. It was because of his humility that he saw the hand of God move in a powerful way. And what he did then, he can do today in your life now. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to Daniel chapter 1. We'll be referencing there uh, for the time that we have together. Uh, a little bit of background on Daniel. Uh, Daniel, as you open it up and as you begin to read, uh, was a man born of noble birth. And Daniel, he was taken, uh, and the Jewish people were taken and put in exile. They were captives uh, by the Babylonians or the Chaldeans of that time. And so they were taken captive, God's holy people, their temple was ruined, they had no place of worship, and you know the story, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and, and the reigning kings of that time began to bring in pagan ways of worship and began to completely try to eradicate what the people of God stood for. And so Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and as a professor I had would always pronounce Abendigo, but we'll call him Abendigo this morning because that's what we know him by, how they were uh, taken aside because they were uh, young men 
Uh, and Daniel, again, was of noble birth. They were taken aside. And as you read in Daniel chapter 1, the first five chapters, you'll see how they were completely re-educated into the Babylonian way of culture. They were uh, taken aside and shown, this is how you're to worship. We're going to prepare you to be future leaders in our society and our way of life. But how many of you know that God, through all of this, had a purpose for Daniel and had a purpose for these three boys? What's amazing, if you didn't know, is because uh, if you see the movies, Daniel's portrayed as you know, a man in his 30s or 40s. But really, Daniel and the three Hebrew, three Hebrew boys, as you study, their ages were between 12 and 15. Now, through the book of Daniel, you'll see accounts from them as early as 12 and 15 all the way to the age of 85. So wherever you find yourself, whatever age you're at, Daniel is applicable to every season in every area of your life. But what we're about to read this morning, you're going to see Daniel and the three Hebrew boys take a stand at such an early age. Now, my prayer is, and I pray that your prayer is, those of you who have children and grandchildren, that they would be able to take the spirit of Daniel. And what we're going to read in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, that he purposed, he resolved in his heart that he would not defile himself. That each and every day as we wake up, as we go about our days, as we put our hands to what God has put in our sphere, is that we would purpose in our heart that we would not defile ourselves, but that we would honor God in a world that doesn't. That everything we do would be honoring. Daniel was uncompromising. Uncompromising. You read a lot of stories in the Bible from David to, to different ones who you see uh, their journeys and their stories of how they uh, rose to great power. And because of, of sin or because of uh, decisions they made, they experienced the lows of life. But what's amazing about Daniel, one of the only characters we read in the books in the Bible is that he was uncompromising. He really was a picture of Christ, of how he led, of how he lived, of how he loved. And so there's... When I read Daniel, I get encouraged and I get strengthened because the Babylonian empire, it was an empire of great excess. The way that they partied, the way that they lived their life, the way that they conducted themselves sexually was far from the ways of God. A lot of what you see when you read the word of God and you see the word Babylon, you can almost replace it with the world. That when you see in the New Testament, it talks about the world. Babylon is a picture of the world. But we know what it says in the New Testament, that we're not to just shun the world, but we're to be in the world, but not of it. So Daniel teaches us how to be in the world, and not only be in the world, but really influence the world. Our mission here at ZCA is to prepare the next generation to become world changers. This year, uh, God has really brought uh, Kathy, our director, and, and myself, and, and, and many of us to the book of Daniel. And the theme for our school year this year is the great rescue. Because what you see in the book of Daniel, we know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know about Daniel, that they're the heroes of the story. But really who the hero is, is God. God is the one who's delivered them. He's the one who's rescued them. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because of their faithfulness and their obedience, get to play a part in the story of God. That's the same for you and I. When we get faithful, when we get obedient, when we dig into what God is doing, 
He, we get to experience the miraculous power of God, of him using us, of him putting, a, putting you and I in places of influence, of him, of him putting you and I in places to uh, get, by, get behind or get by maybe secular authority or authority that does not honor God. And because of our obedience and because of our faithfulness, because of our respect, because of our honor toward authority that we don't necessarily agree with, how many of you know God can break down a wall and he can give that person's ear to your voice and you can speak truth into a situation that you thought was hopeless? This is so much of what we see in the book of Daniel. And my prayer is, is that you go into your workplace. Some of you work secular jobs. You have bosses who don't honor God, that God could put you in a place to bring healing, that God could put you in a place to bring a miracle, that God could put you in a place to speak truth where truth is not spoken or truth is not respected. And the reason I wrote this down, that Daniel is effective in reaching a culture is because he figured out how God wanted him to do it. The same is for you and I. When we get in, when we pray, when we fast, when we figure out how God wants us to do it, we'll see success. You know, as you get and as you read uh, the first seven verses of Daniel, you'll see how they began to re-educate them. You'll see how they even began to change their names. They took their Hebrew names, their identity, and changed them to Babylonian names. You guys know the story. And what's uh, significant about that is when you see like Daniel and you see uh, uh, the Hebrew boy's names, they ends in E-L, especially uh, Meshach's name. And what that represents, that E-L, anytime you see it in the word of God, it represents a deep Christian heritage that they're connected to Yahweh, that they're connected to God. So by the Babylonian empire changing these Hebrew boys' names, it's so much deeper than just what you read on the surface. It's basically trying to take the heritage of God for God's chosen people and completely rewrite their story, completely rewrite it. We see that in America today as values and morals are being pushed out, pushed away. New agendas are coming in. They're trying to rewrite even what history is, rewrite truth. And so we see that the very identity is trying to be changed. But as you read uh, Daniel's account of these things happening, of this re-education, you never see him complaining. Daniel is a man who's full of strategy when you read the accounts and the stories. He doesn't complain about that. He doesn't really even go after it or try to refute what is being done. But as you read, and this is where I really want to get into this morning, is Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. This is where you see Daniel make the first front. This is where you see, okay, you're, you're pushing a little too far now. But I want us to see as we read this how we handled the situation. Because how you and I handle situations when our values come in check, when our convictions come in check... How we handle them is going to be the greatest witness to God. Either we handle it in a way that speaks greatly of God or we handle it in a way where someone says, you're crazy, you're weird, I don't, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> All right, so Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, look what it says. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Other translations say that he resolved in his heart. And he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So right there, we see that Daniel refused not to eat 
the meat and the wine. Now, what's significant about that is, is that the meat and the wine was offered to idol worship. So in, his, in the Jewish tradition, that was something that you would not eat because it would be considered defiling yourself. It would be considered sin. Now, what's amazing is commentary will bring together that word defile. It's a pretty strong word. Is it brings it together with a scripture in Isaiah 56 where defilement is used in the regards of murder. So you see defilement is something that uh, is spoiled or it's something that is, is ruined. So Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. I believe fully, and I know many of you do, all of us do, is that we want to have this same heart, that we do not want to defile ourselves. We don't want to step into situations or areas that would bring dishonor to God, that would bring dishonor to ourselves, that would bring dishonor to the kingdom. But we want to have convictions. We want to have values. And Daniel models this. And again, he is a teenager modeling this for us, that he's put on the stand as a young man. But the, th the amazing thing about Daniel is of how he was able to handle these situations is because before he was brought and re-educated and recultured, he spent time in the Word of God. He spent time in the Psalms, knowing Solomon's heart, knowing the wisdom. So I can tell you, even though full of fear, something within him was telling him, you got this. Be brave. I'm going to speak to you. Watch my power come alive in you. And so what I want to pull out of this is how are we to really make a difference when we're put on the stand, when we make decisions to live by our convictions, because there's going to come a day preaching the word of God right here in Northern Kentucky is going to be offensive. There's going to be people that aren't going to agree with portions of the word of God. It already is in different places in our country. And we're going to be put under a place of how are we going to stand when we're challenged? How are we going to react? Are we going to beat that person over the head with the word of God? Are we going to take a step back and, oh, we don't want to offend you, so, you know, let's deal with this? Or are we going to be able to confront it in a way that Daniel did? And as I was reading the word of God and this revelation just kept pouring out to me, my eyes were just opened and brought into this is how Daniel honored God. And this is the strategy that Daniel gave God or that God gave Daniel. And so I pray this morning, I have four points that we see through the word of God, that if you can take these principles, I believe you're going to be able to engage in conversation. You're going to be able to speak truth and love. And you're going to see the blueprint that Daniel did. And you're not going to end up being in a debate with someone all the time because our culture and our world and our churches love to debate and nothing ever comes resolved of it. But if we can get to a person's heart and show them the truth of God's word and show them how much he loves them and that God's ways are best and you're going to be blessed and you can actually thrive in Babylon when you take God's word. We can thrive in a world that's dark because we're called to be salt and we're called to be light in the world around us. So number one, if you're taking notes and you can fill the blank in, in your notes, is we're to be respectful. It's respectfulness. We see that Daniel was respectful in how he handled the situation. The second part of verse eight says this again. He says, therefore he requested, he asked, he simply asked of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He didn't throw himself, he didn't say, I'm a man of God, I'm not going to defile myself. He simply went before 
who was in authority, who was Ashpenaz, was his name. And he said, hey, I don't want to defile myself. Can we work something out here? Look, as you begin to see what begins to happen, is Ashpenaz was not a godly man. He was a part of the king's court, and he was simply doing his job. You go on to read, and Ashpenaz says, you know, if, if I allow you to do this, then basically my head is on the line. Because if, if, what Daniel begins to ask, he says, can we eat vegetables and just drink water and stay away from the wine and the meat? And if we come out stronger in 10 days, then you'll see God's hand at work. So I'm sure there was this wrestling with Ashpenaz because if Daniel was wrong, his head would have been on the line. But the way that Daniel approached it was such full of respect, he asked him, that I can tell you something kind of turned in Ashpenaz to entertain what Daniel had to say. You know, the same is with you and I, is how do we handle ungodly authority in our life? It touches all of us of how we're to handle ungodly authority. Well, let's see what Paul says. I want to take a, a quick look into this. In Romans 13, 1 through 2, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God. Now, see, our culture loves the word resist. When we don't agree with something, immediately we want to resist. But it says... And those who resist will bring judgment. So our first, our first inclination sometimes can be, I want to resist. But let's take it a step deeper. Because when you realize Paul who wrote this, he wasn't talking about godly authority. At the time that this passage of scripture was written, uh, King Nero would have been in command of the Roman Empire. Now King Nero, if you've heard the stories or you know anything about him, the way that he would throw parties for his palace and for all of his uh, workers, when he would gather Christians, he would kill them, he would put them on stakes, and then he would wrap them in tar and set them on fire. And that's how they would light up their parties. So Paul is talking to a Jewish people saying, hey, we're going to respect King Nero. You go and you look at when Paul is addressing secular authorities, you'll even see that Paul never just said his, their name. He put most excellency or he put their title in front of them to show respect. Paul understood this is if you're going to have influence, there has to be a respect with it. And so Daniel was modeling this. First Peter 2, 18 also speaks of this. It says that servants be submissive to your masters with all fear. Hear this, not only to the good and gentle. We love being respectful. We will follow a good and gentle leader. But it also says, be respectful to the harsh. You know what I've come to understand in my short life, or even in ministry, is authority problems are transferable. When you have a problem with authority over here, it usually transfers somewhere over here. If you have a problem with authority or authority of government, then usually you might have a problem with how God may run his kingdom or how God may run his church. If you have a problem, uh, you see kids that may have authority problems with their parents. Guess what? When they go into their first day of school, they're going to be challenging their teachers, their coaches. Authority problems are transferable. And so Daniel is modeling, if anything, how to respect authority, 
how to honor even ungodly authority because how you handle authority leaves a lasting impression. We all know that first impressions, you can never get them back. But when you leave a great first impression, doors can be open for you. Why do you think you go looking to an interview dressed to the hilt and bringing gifts and ready to just uh, shower what you know and what you can do? There's something about a first impression. And so Daniel understands this, and he's making a great first impression. He's honoring authority. I found this very interesting. Uh, back when Billy Graham had passed, there was a lot of great stories that came out. And there was a White House staffer who wasn't a Christian, but he made this note of what he noticed about Billy Graham as he would visit and advise presidents and staff at the White House. He said this, he said, somehow his manner had a deep effect on people. He was both friendly and affectionate at the same time. That was his, what he noticed about Billy Graham. There's something to be said about that when you can be friendly and you can be effective at the same time. Proverbs 15.1 also says this. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Anybody ever experienced that? Again, Proverbs 16.21, it says, the wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. So Daniel understood this. He studied the words of Solomon. He knew the Proverbs. He knew the Psalms. Number two, if you're taking notes, is there was a sincerity with Daniel. Daniel 1 verse 9 says this. He says, now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. So because of his ask, because of his respectfulness, because of his sincerity, see, sincerity is approaching a situation and not going in with the mindset of I'm going to manipulate this person to get what I want. Daniel was sincere in his ask. And because of that sincerity, look what the word of God says. It says that he was brought into favor and goodwill. When you're sincere, when, there's, when you have a respectful spirit, I guarantee you, and the word of God guarantees it, you will have favor and goodwill following you because of your approach, because of your heart. This is how we're to be salt and how to be light. Number three is humility. Daniel was full of humility. Daniel 1, 10 through 16. Hear what the story continues to say. It says, And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? So he's saying, okay, wait a second. If, if, we, if you just eat vegetables and water, you know, something's going to happen here. You're not going to look as strong as the other men. He says, then you would endanger my head before the king. So I'm putting myself on the line for you. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse 12, it says, Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. What I noticed about that, if you go back to verse 12, is Daniel addresses himself as a servant. He addresses uh, the three boys as servants. Not, I'm noble, this is my title, this is who I am. And you're going to not respect what I have to say. But look how he understood. He put himself in a place of, I'm a servant. 
I'm a servant. And so when you catch those little details, you see what Daniel is doing. He's showing honor and respect that, hey, I'm a servant. Verse 13, he said, because of this, then let our appearance be examined before you and let the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. Verse 15, we see what happens. And at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. A miracle just took place. Thus, the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. I love it. This was the miracle that took place because Daniel was willing not to defile himself because he was willing to stand out You know, a truth I've seen too is because our generation, our culture needs backbone. Christians need backbone to be able to stand and to be able to face the challenges that are coming our way and the challenges that will be coming our way is that, again, we have to purpose not to defile ourselves. We have to purpose. We have to make decisions. It's just like in relationships. You can't make a decision when you're in the backseat of a car of how far you're going to go. That decision has to be made way back there. The same is with every situation in our life. Decisions have to be made prior before the challenges come. And so I can tell you that Daniel had purposed, it even says that, you know, this was almost a past tense, that he had purposed before he got to this place, that he wasn't thinking, I'm going to purpose myself right here. No, he already grounded himself and made this decision that he was going to purpose himself. And I pray this morning that you would purpose yourself. We would purpose ourselves as a church. You know, I was thinking of this too when it comes to respect and humility and sincerity. I've heard it said, and you've probably heard it said, there's always two people in the world when they walk into the room. The first person always says, here I am. And when that person walks into the room, they're looking, who's here to serve me? Someone come talk to me. Someone show me some attention. Look what I'm wearing. Look what's going on. And then the second person is, and this is what I pray we are, and this is what Daniel models, is there you are. So when you walk into the room, you're looking of who can I love, who can I bless, who can I greet, who can I care for? You know, these two types of people really butt heads in churches. Is because someone who walks in that says, here I am, usually goes and finds their church seat, does not talk to anyone, and then gets offended when no one talks to them by the time the service is over. You always want to ask that person, well, who did you, why didn't you get out of your seat and go talk to somebody? But we want to be there you are people. 1 Corinthians 4.1 says this, and Paul is talking. He said, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ. So Paul is saying our positions are to be servants of Christ. We know the scripture that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Brie, if you would come this morning. Number four, our final note, and as we close, is what we see through this opening passage of Daniel. Before we get into the fiery furnace, before we get into the lion's den and all the dreams that happen, this was the ground for setting the stage of Daniel having influence. And what you need to know is, and what I need to know, is that the little things matter in our lives. The little things we're obedient to, to the word of God, matter and can lead to great.